Sometimes the game you want to play doesn't involve exploring the lands, fighting monsters, or thwarting an evil plot. Sometimes the game you want to play is a cheesy romance set in a tiny, cozy village. This week on Schedule for Lunch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Will, sometimes called Kenan, about his game, Warmer in the Winter. We discuss Hallmark films, Kickstarter, and how to play an adorable game. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am super happy to be back once again with Will. We actually lost the audio from the first time we did this, so Will, thanks for joining me again. <laughs> you're you're welcome. I've, uh, not to toot a different horn too much, but I've done 400 some odd episodes of another show, so I know that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> yeah, so... Audience, we actually recorded a couple days ago, and it just oh, it was bad. It was a bad time for for technical difficulties. So hopefully this one works out a lot better, and it's already sounding a little clearer. So, well, once again for me, but first time for the audience. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah, happily. Um, so I'm Will Lentz. Uh, sometimes folks might have uh, seen me online as Kenan or uh, Gameonomicon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have been attached to gaming in some form for about 20 years now. But yeah. uh, the majority of that was through competitive card gaming. Of course, you know, as a kid, I dabbled in magic and, and whatnot. But in, in college, I picked up the Game of Thrones card game and just absolutely fell in love with, with that system. So that's been my um, primary focus <laughs> since it launched in <laughs> uh, 2002. And, you know, I've, I've traveled to the, the World Championship for that and U.S. Nationals and you know, hosted that here and, you know, all sorts of things like that podcasted about it and that type of thing um and i think as is kind of natural for a lot of um competitive card gamers especially uh you know when we're reviewing releases and, and talking yeah. about interactions or uh reacting when you know say a new ban list or something comes out there, there's always that uh feeling that oh man I would have done this differently or better or you know, whatever. <laughs> and that kind of, kind of started that, that design itch. So I, uh, I have written some for uh, fantasy flight games who made yeah. uh, game of Thrones um, for some product inserts and articles on their website and uh, that type of thing that uh, eventually led to a uh, kind of online gaming magazine site for a bit card game db um things like that and uh some of my local players here also were doing rpgs so i got into that uh some of them were involved in 7c second edition so uh i i wound up doing some some writing for that and that kind of kind of hooked me that oh hey wait a minute maybe i could really actually release some of my own stuff and then I got started there. 
Yeah, you've done a couple things, but today we're actually here to talk about what's really a heartwarming little game called Warmer in the Winter. Can you tell us a little bit about the premise of that? Yeah, I mean, the the short premise that I give people is just cheesy Hallmark movies. <laughs> um, you know, the, the stereotypical kind that people think of as soon as you say Hallmark movies. Yeah. And, I mean, there are tons of others that are making those Lifetime, and I think there's a new channel in GAC, and of course Netflix mm. is, and... Yep. I mean, everybody is tapping into, into that market these days. <laughs> uh, but the, those cheesy, recycled Christmas romances where, you know, the the big, you know, big shot, big city lawyer has to go back to her hometown and, you know, reconnect <laughs> with her love of the wilderness and, you know, the family reindeer farm or whatever it might be, and, <laughs> you know, find love. <laughs> I know that movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. seen that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any any example I dream up to mention at this point, I'm pretty sure you would say, "Oh, I've seen that movie." They yeah. uh, they they hit the same <laughs> plot beats all the time, but that I I kind of like that because even if you have not personally watched them, they're just kind of part of the the cultural consciousness or zeitgeist, like. People are familiar with the concept, and that makes it really easy for them to kind of hook into, oh, okay, hey, I know how this type of story is supposed to work. Yeah, it's... That's what I think the strength of this game really comes down to, is that familiarity. Because I don't watch a lot of Hallmark films. There's, And I did look it up this time to make sure that I I could figure it out. (laughs) The movie that I see every year that... Mm -hmm. I can't stand, but I also know I'm sitting down and watching whenever it comes on is the tree that saved Christmas, which is a Hallmark film about a woman returning to her home in Vermont and her family trying not to sell the family Christmas tree farm. <laughs> I, it's... I almost used that exact plot for my example a moment ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nothing wrong with that, but everybody it's you're right. It's a recycled plot. Usually it's a, a woman from the big city coming back and then the holiday hunk shows up to give her a reason to love the season and warmer in the winter kind of brings that to the forefront in a really fun way. We are mentioning the stereotypical story, right? And, and I am aware that these type of films kind of catch some flack in some circles for, let's say a a lack of diversity and cast and Mm -hmm. concept hundred percent. I like that, you know, by bringing this to a tabletop game, that opens it up to anybody to tell that type of story um, and insert themselves into it and see themselves in it, even if they won't always see that on screen right now. And I, I do admit, uh, and this is brought up in the book, there are some, some terms we use uh, in the book that, for instance, may specifically gender somebody what the dashing mentions being a prince for instance yeah Um, and that's not intended to shoehorn anybody into anything or exclude anybody else and and we mentioned it in the book that like we we mentioned them because it's part of the trope uh Mm -hmm. and 
Um, it kind of helps build that flavor, but everybody is highly encouraged to uh, kind of take charge and take ownership of this in their own way and not feel um, excluded on any of those fronts. Yeah. Warmer in the Winter really hits on the fact that it's both a loving nod and poking fun at that style of film. It's really interesting. So what kind of inspired you to do this, though? Because it's, it's not something that most people would, uh, would really conceive of. So how did you get pen to paper on this, this game? I almost said movie. <laughs> I'm honestly that's how I I think of everything because it's it's really mostly planned for one shots anyway yeah. and kind of that movie structure uh gives people a a um skeleton of a one shot basically anyway and mm-hmm. and we refer to the the playbooks in this game as roles and uh things like that 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 kind of lean into that aspect um, it's it is funny that you mentioned pen to paper uh, in this example because um, you know I'm not sure if I can quite put my finger on the exact uh, impetus, but I know a couple of years ago uh, my wife is a huge fan of these movies. Uh, this mm-hmm. year, or rather, uh, now that we're in 22, last year we probably watched you know at least 20 of these things in yeah. the Christmas season. Um, and she's a gamer as well. She played Game of Thrones with me. Uh, she was in our, our RPG group for a while and things like that. Um, and and I admit um, that uh, that group did not always gel quite as well, or she did not gel with it as well. Uh, group of group of guys that have been you know friends through college and stuff, and just kind of yeah. like wanted to tell a different kind of story uh than she was super into and Mm -hmm. and things like that and you know while we did try to improve on that in our group uh at some point as i was researching and getting into other games beyond more traditional stuff dnd even like we play hunter and like song of ice and fire and things um I'd hit on Powered by the Apocalypse stuff and Monster Hearts and something in the middle of whatever movie we were watching, uh, something just clicked that, wait a minute, like there are these other types of stories that can be told in in games uh, and like there's kind of a, a market, an untapped market, so to speak. Uh, maybe not market is the word I want, but like <laughs> subset of people that like want to tell these different types of stories that they connect with rather yeah. than, you know, the typical D and D power fantasy. And so like I grabbed, grabbed literal pen and paper and started scribbling notes while the movie was going on. And there's kind of a funny picture, uh, I think up on our Instagram, uh, that my wife snapped of me in Christmas sweater on the couch <laughs> with the fireplace behind me. And pen and paper in hand while I start frantically scribbling it down. That's incredible. So it all kind of started from wanting to tell some different stories about something that you and your wife share. I think that's very sweet. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, a lot of people 
can can dig these movies it's not something you know specifically for um you know the wives in the group or whatever as that yeah may kind of sound uh the way i'm telling that story because i also personally love these movies maybe not to the level that my (laughs) wife does um but there there's tons of fun to be had for people of all stripes Mm -hmm. they're super corny and cheesy and i absolutely adore watching one or two a year yeah leaning into that corny and cheesiness is so much fun (laughs) one of the things you mentioned there was roles and that's obviously a huge part of any powered by the apocalypse game it's the role that a character takes or their playbook can you talk a little bit about roles and what exactly they do in warmer in the winter yeah yeah happily um so i I mentioned that we use some terms here to kind of lean into some of the archetypes uh and tropes of this genre so one of those is the uh gm uh, or narrator or whatever you might be used to calling it uh here we call them a matchmaker that kind of helps (laughs) even from the ground level to um to set the expectation of what your goal is, uh, what your piece of the story is here. Um, and we carry that through as well to the playbooks, where here we call them roles, and um, you are playing this particular role in the film or the story or how the play, however you'd like to dramatize uh, that particular <laughs> experience. But the roles are a wide range of kind of stereotypical um, characters that you would see in these. And a lot of these types of characters, as we've said, are kind of recycled from one film to another. Or we even branched out some. uh, Also, my wife is a huge fan of Gilmore Girls. And as I was kind of talking this idea with her, we we realized that there's a lot of overlap in the types of characters that appear uh, in these Hallmark movies, as well as kind of the dramedy stuff like Gilmore Girls or The, the Good Witch. Um, yeah. So there is kind of a central figure in these films that we do represent here uh, called The Beloved, who can be a focal point. Um, and they do, for instance, gain a heartstring on all other characters at the start of the game uh, to help kind of set things in motion. But it's not a requirement by any means to play with um, the beloved, the main character, so to speak. Uh, I might recommend it for folks on their their first playthrough, Um, but there's a lot of other stuff here that you can delve into especially with the types of characters that might get shuffled to the sidelines fairly often in these types of films, like say um, the elder uh, who's usually just, you know, some sage uh, advice giver, you know, maybe two scenes Mm -hmm. in the movie or something. But if you want to uh, play through, you know, someone uh, in their uh, golden years, finding love then like <laughs> go for it um there's there's so many roles to choose from here i'm i'm sure not gonna detail all of them 
I think there's um, 14 right now yeah. in the book, um, which is more than even was initially planned. <laughs> uh, but turns out we did really well on stretch goals for a couple extra ideas. Um, at both of the, uh, let's say, premium backer levels that offered an opportunity to create a role, uh, both of those got purchased and, and folks participated in in dreaming up a new role uh, the in fact the guest stretch uh, goal author uh, he wound up with two ideas uh, oh so da- yeah so uh, Damon Stone uh, a friend of mine actually uh, offered to create a second one that he was not initially on tap for because he was so excited about it uh, that one is the enthusiast if you are curious yes. to go look and you will see both uh, my name uh, and Kristen, uh, my wife's name, though it's spelled differently here, because actually Damon's wife is also named Kristen and spelled this way. Oh. <laughs> uh, so there's 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 a lot of like nice little little nods uh, here, but there's there's so much to do um, in different ways they interact with each other uh, and cause. Um, oh, for instance, the the dashing is one of my personal favorites, uh, where they are kind of called away to a duty of some kind. And I mentioned earlier that might be, uh, say, as a prince who has a duty to their nation, uh, or it may be something like a doctor, and they just yeah. you know they're constantly called into the hospital to save someone's lives, and and the way that uh, their duty mechanically kind of uh, pulls them toward it and away away from other players uh, is something I really enjoy. My personal favorite that you told me about was the out of time. I think it's a phenomenal idea. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the out of time. It that is probably my hands down favorite in in the <laughs> whole thing. Uh, it was largely inspired by uh, a movie we watched on Netflix. Have you seen? the night before christmas and that is the knigget uh before christmas <laughs> i haven't watched it myself but i know the plot okay yeah yeah this this you know middle ages night is you know brought through time by this crone who maybe is mrs claus it's later revealed sorry for the spoilers oh <laughs> uh and you know comes to uh, the modern day because he'll he'll never become a knight unless he or a true knight unless he finds true love or something along those lines and you know <laughs> him trying to fit into the the modern world and his kind of older sense of propriety and all uh i just i had a blast with that and i even realized even in other types of media that like that type of thing pops up a lot like i love Captain America, for instance, you know, good old classic Steve Rogers, who's yeah. basically the that same type of character. Um, mm-hmm. So I say, uh, you know, dive in and uh, I don't know, try to understand that reference. Yeah. Double layered joke there <laughs> with Steve saying I understood that reference. Yeah. So also, too, one of the things that came up is actually a group role. And you mentioned that crone in Night Before Christmas, and that kind of leads into the shared role of the supernatural, 
what is the supernatural and how does a group of people utilize this for their game? Yeah, um, that is that's one of my favorite uh, pieces of this. Um, it it is partly inspired by that, uh, even by uh, I mentioned the the TV show The Good Witch, where one of the main characters is um, well this good witch who keeps kind of using little little nods that may or may not be magic to kind of push people different directions over the course of the show. So. Uh, that was adapted here as the supernatural character, which is optional. People can choose whether they would like to use it or not, but it does fit the tone uh, of a lot of games to yeah. craft this uh, character that maybe is, you know, actually secretly Santa Claus or Mrs. Claus or is an angel that's been sent back uh, or... Uh, you know, a secret fairy or something. Uh, in fact, actually, uh, someone told me about one of their playthroughs where um, the ghost of the beloved's deceased husband possessed a snowman and came back <laughs> to, like, teach her, you know, how to love again and find somebody new. And, and oh, yeah, I'd like I, I love that super concept. sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like this new kind of take on Frosty the Snowman. Um, so everybody to the, together will decide um, what type of character this is, uh, what sort of method that their nudges are themed as, whether it's, you know, um, comical mishaps, somebody tripping and, you know, falling off the ladder into someone else's arms or um, things like... You know, they're baking magical cookies that improve people's mood or, uh, you know, the door mysteriously opens and blows an important paper off the desk. Um, thing, things along those lines, however you, you want to theme it. And then um, folks have uh, one of the meta currencies in the game is a providence point, which is uh, can be used to bring that supernatural character into a scene uh, and trigger some of their moves to nudge other people uh, and other characters. And I like that because um, it's kind of this communal effort. It, it gives everybody this um, this way to interact um, in a, a positive way at, at any moment with other characters and other scenes that their character maybe is not normally in and even mm -hmm. you know in most pbta games there is kind of this uh, character conflict that's yeah. built into a lot of uh the way the playbooks function and and there's definitely some of that here but the supernatural character always kind of gives this out to um do something positive for the group and the story as a whole no matter what your actual role is yeah, it's sort of like a built-in plot driver that players and the matchmaker can utilize to kind of get things going when they start to get stagnant. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, it definitely is. And I, and I like uh, that you pointed out players and matchmakers. So it, it gives a little bit extra control to move that story along to the players if needed. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking a lot about specifically Hallmark Christmas films, but can you tell people a little bit about the setting for Warmer in the Winter? Because there is a built-in kind of concept or at least framework 
for players and matchmakers to utilize during their game. Yeah, yeah, I think framework is a good word for it. We've provided two separate kind of sample settings. One is the stereotypical small town of Hopewood Springs and, you know, their little inn and cafe and city hall and that type of thing. While Mm -hmm. another is uh, your stereotypical Empire City with their skyscrapers and, and coffee shops and museums and parks and such. And um, one thing that I really wanted, especially for a one-shot game, is for it to be really easy for folks to just pick up uh, and run with. And one of the things mm-hmm. when I first started getting into looking at, at PBTA stuff was at least the ones that I happened to look at initially um, didn't seem to do a whole lot with um, setting. For instance, uh, Monster Hearts was the first one that I really kind of got into. And there's so much great uh, interpersonal conflict and the way that the playbooks and the the characters really uh, integrate with the mechanics and how they are encouraged to uh, play with each other so to speak uh, or manipulate each other maybe is a better better (laughs) word Um, but there there's you know very little about where it is and what's going on which is great for some people in some games to dream everything up Um, but as I delved in more I hit on um, Girl Underground which I thought did a much better job of integrating kind of location and setting and making it kind of matter. Um, Mechanically is the word I was about to use, but it's not like there are different dice rolls there, but it it, it is at least integrated with hooks to pull people in and offer different um, driving points for the story if needed. So I definitely kind of use that as a launching point for uh, both Hopewood Springs and Empire City and wanted people to have a starting point for where to to put a one-shot and kind of ready-made uh, characters that are there, different like hints of stories or problems that are going on that can be dropped in at a moment's notice that hopefully uh, intrigue players enough to follow up more and can spin out further from there. I think that makes perfect sense too. I've noticed it too. I really like Powered by the Apocalypse games. They're some of my favorite, but there's usually some stuff left out for setting. And that's because that's how those styles of games work. Like building settings as you need them is kind of how it's done for a lot of them. But the ones that I have seen that kind of have a little bit more of a rigid setting don't go into detail enough, or as much as I would like. So seeing how Warmer the Winter is set up, Empire City, and um, oh my gosh. Uh, Hopewood Springs. Hopewood Springs. Thank you so much. Seeing how they're set up definitely gives players and whoever's running this game a much easier time of limit not limitations but concepts that they can be utilized in in their games yeah yeah especially uh for one shots they they just they can grab this and run with it really quick pick it up and go mm-hmm. and during this time you've mentioned monster arts a couple times 
And I know that's one of the the big inspirations for this game was Monster Hearts and Simple Worlds by Avery Alder. And I think also you had mentioned Kids on Bikes by Jonathan Gilmore and Doug, oh, I always butcher his name, uh, Lewandowski. Lewandowski, yeah. Yes. How did these games influence the creation of Warmer in the Winter? Um, well, so Monster Hearts, uh, like I said, was the first I was exposed to Powered by the Apocalypse. So there's, A, always going to be kind of this warm spot in my own heart for it. Uh, and and B, everything I wind up thinking about to some extent is kind of filtered through that as my, as my first <laughs> uh, experience there. Yeah. And... Um, while I do love Monster Hearts, um, everything there take at least can is I would say kind of is encouraged to take that darker edge. Um, players yeah. or characters rather, um, more like CW stuff. Yeah, yeah, CW. You know, people purposely don't tell each other different things or try to do something to specifically manipulate somebody else. And, um, mm-hmm. of course there's, uh, the concept of sex, which you're not generally going to find, uh, touched on in a Hallmark <laughs> movie. Um, but everything does take a bit more combative of an edge. Maybe is the word I, I want. Um, there, there's more conflict really built into that. And I got to, to thinking that something, um, doesn't necessarily have to follow that same lens that you're looking at these interactions through. Yeah. Um, even though there's a, there is honestly a lot of overlap in the, you know, ways that people interact with different relationships or are looking for a relationship or, or whatever. Um, this is, this is just the rose colored glasses uh, take on those interpersonal relations, I would say, versus Monster Hearts is the, I don't know, the edgy goth take, you know, <laughs> on that kind of thing. The Buffy take yeah. on it. Uh, I, yeah. However I should phrase that. It's a very wholesome game compared to Monster Hearts, which can have a little bit of dirt depending on who you're playing it with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I was um, trying to delve into this and figure out you know where to go with it uh simple world like you mentioned wound up being a, a huge resource i actually uh reached out to uh avery alder on on twitter and was basically like hey i'm i'm working on my first pbta game um i really love simple world is just kind of like a baseline skeleton can i use some of that uh and quite thankfully and somewhat mystifyingly to me because i was literally nobody you're just randomly <laughs> reaching out was told hey sure go go ahead do whatever you want use whatever you want um so that was a huge boost to have as a starting place yeah um thing things have been tweaked and expanded and kind of rephrased from there but i, I definitely still have to give a huge huge shout out and thank you uh for simple world um, kids on bikes actually uh, played into the supernatural character uh, okay and yeah because i i hadn't um seen 
anything at the time in the, the Powered by the Apocalypse space that had kind of a communal uh, character. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I got... I wanted to include something supernatural like a Santa Claus or whatever, but I, I worried that having a play one player directly say be an elf or something um, would feel lopsided, even if it's yeah. not necessarily mechanically lopsided, uh, that story-wise it, it would be. So I, I wanted to, to in, include them, uh, but let everybody access that somehow and uh kids on bikes uh showed me a way with their um uh, without having it in front of me now i forget how they they term it but basically <laughs> they're they're equivalent to 11 from stranger things and how uh everybody mm-hmm. at the table can kind of have access to that character and their powers and and work with that as needed and i thought aha that's it. That's how you bring your, you know, your angel or your ghost or whatever into warmer in the winter. You don't make just one person be that. You let everybody be that. Uh, and so, yeah, that's how, how that came about. That's amazing. It's a, such a good concept, too, especially in a setting like this. So let's take a step back from warmer in the winter. Let's go a little bit more into yourself. Right at the beginning, you mentioned your name's Will, but a lot of people have seen the name Kenan before. I thought this was a very good story, and I'd love to hear it again. Can you <laughs> tell people why there's that, uh, why you also go by Kenan? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I honestly, uh, dear listeners, I think this story was probably presented in an even funnier manner in the, um, <laughs> lost episode yeah Uh, so i'm gonna tell this in in reverse from how it was told last time uh which is kenan which is k-e-n-n-o-n is a name i've been going by online email addresses you know msn messenger forum posts all sorts of stuff instagram uh that type of thing uh since freshman year of high school so that's it's been a little while for me yeah uh, at this point and um i thought at the time that's that's right when the internet was hitting its stride for me you know rural missouri kid finally got dial up internet to the house and, and all that <laughs> and, uh, i mean i mentioned msn messenger that that yeah dates that's fair everything that's fair. for a, for a lot of <laughs> folks right there and uh at the time, I was taking uh, German courses in school and just starting out. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm getting online. I'm going to get to know all these people. It's oh, it's going to be fantastic. So I stole. There's a German verb, kennen, which is actually K-E-N-N-E-N, which means <laughs> to know people and places, like to be acquainted with them. Yeah. And I thought I was being awesome and witty. And went and used it. And then, you know, six months later or something, realized, oh, no, freshman Will is an idiot and misspelled it. (laughs) Uh, But I stuck with it ever since. (laughs) I I think it's so funny. It's very, like, 
I, I've definitely done things like that. That's also very relatable, but it's just a fun little story to have attached to the work and what yeah. you've done here. It's, it's <laughs> so good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I've, I've noticed now I seem to have a habit of these ide- <laughs> naming ideas that I think are really awesome and really witty at the time. And then it's months down the line before I realize that, oh, that's not as good as I thought, uh, or there's a problem <laughs> here. So I've even run into something similar with the the uh, company that I started to publish the, these games <laughs> and all of our internet handles, uh, or my internet handle in various places for this, uh, which is Gameonomicon, which at the time was this great idea I thought I had, Yeah, uh, adding game and uh well omicon or nomicon like a like a book like the necronomicon or or whatever so it's like a book <laughs> of games right and yeah you can kind of see that idea in our logo but it's actually kind of hard to spell that off the top of yeah. your head for people <laughs> uh and i've noticed uh it's not always easy and easiest for other people to pronounce if they haven't heard it before so i apologize everybody i feel like i'm committed <laughs> at this point but that's uh that is G A M E so game, and then N O M nom, I C O N icon game nomicon. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the first time we did this, I asked Will where we could find more out about his games, and everything just went to a dead stop as he tried to type it out and make sure he was saying it right. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it's, I'm I'm bad with that. I uh, just in general spelling stuff, unless yeah. I can see it, um, I generally lose my place in where I am in the word. So I I type yeah. out a lot of stuff before I tell people how something is spelled. I'm the exact same way. I do that a lot. <laughs> this game was kickstarted, and you had mentioned backing goals and that stuff. Warmer in the Winter got over three times the original goal for, for a zine. Can you tell me a little bit about that and that entire experience there with Kickstarter and being a pretty successful run there? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was very, very um, pleasantly surprised, a little overwhelmed maybe. I, I guess mm-hmm. first I want to start with the gigantic props to anybody listening to this was a backer thank you so much for that um but this this was my first ever kickstarter i had heard about zine quest 2 very late in the game um and heard about it not so much from the idea of creating something but just uh looking for projects to back and cool games that i wanted to get my grubby little mitts on (laughs) <laughs> so I backed uh, probably half a dozen projects then. Um, and then when Zine Quest 3 rolled around, I was starting to get more active uh, online in kind of the indie RPG space and thought, well, what the heck? This is kind of the smallest um, project that I could try. And there's a lot of other people trying to do this right now low dollar amounts, short length of time for the campaign. Um, Like, there's no better time to try and do it than now, I guess. And so I jumped on it with a a low goal uh, of a 1,000. And and like you said, um, did 
300 uh, percent of that which was phenomenal um and um yeah it was just it was really good that some word got spread i think by um venues that are not often gaming venues there are some romance uh podcasts that um i worked out some advertising with some paid some not um (laughs) ones that did um reviews of like romance novels uh i've got some friends that are very active in and i apologize now that uh, (laughs) i don't have the name in front of me to remember but they're very active in in the like fan facebook group for this podcast and knew that there was a sizable portion of gamers in there as well um things like that so like sometimes it's it's really neat i think to um, branch out of the standard tabletop gaming space and see yeah. what can catch people's eye so that that was a very very good feeling yeah i think one of the big advantages of this is that there's not a whole lot like it and if there there is i've never seen anything quite like it. i've seen romance stuff but this takes a very familiar concept and gives it like I said earlier, a loose skeleton for people to follow along. And it's, it's not a long-term campaign. This game works out best as short bouts, one shots up to three games. If you're incredibly daring with a story. So it really works for what it's advertised as what it promises. And it gives you all the tools you need to succeed at telling a good story that way. Well, thank you. I'm I'm always uh, glad to hear that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, when you when you're getting started in in this kind of space, uh, right? Any yeah. any feedback is always great to hear, especially if it's positive. But any <laughs> at all, because you know it it can be hard to yeah um, get the word out there. It, there's so many folks trying to do this right now. Uh, that it's easy for any one project to um, be lost in that sea of stuff. So honestly, yeah. I I want to thank you for doing this show to highlight a bunch of these projects and people. That is the type of thing that's really needed. Well, thank you so much, Will. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot during this. I've played a lot of really cool games because of it, too. But mm-hmm. we're here to talk about you right now. <laughs> and we're actually going to be wrapping up really soon because we've been going for about 45 minutes now. So I got two more questions for you. Yeah. These are the same two that I ask on every episode. And the first one being, what advice can you give someone who wants to start something of their own, but they don't really have any background and they don't know where to start themselves? Um, I think that one's kind of a two-piece answer. Um, mm-hmm. the first piece is probably just do it. I, yep. I know it sounds trite to steal the old Nike slogan, which I <laughs> think they've used in 20 years. Uh, but just do it. I, I know it's not going to be perfect. I know you're going to feel like an imposter. Uh, but unless you actually put pen to paper or, you know, hit publish on that post or whatever yep. it is, there's there's no progress being made so you you've got to do something to do anything 
Um, yeah. So as trite as that is, I'll move on to a more useful second part, which is that <laughs> I would really uh, recommend a lot of folks trying to get started in the tabletop space right now to just head over to itch.io, the website, and just search up the term SRD. That stands for System yep. Resource Document. Uh, and that is... Um, it's stolen from computer like technical terminology, mm-hmm. but basically it's going to be a, an open licensed set of rules, usually just creative commons by attribution stuff um, yep. for a ton of different games where those designers say, here is the bare bones, like skeleton of how this game and the system is supposed to work. And a lot of times they will also spell out some extra advice on, you know, here's why this works, here's a different way to play with it, and that type of thing, and and walk you through um, being able to use that to get your own game up and running ASAP. Um, And I sort of hate to toot my own horn here, but also I, I honestly do think this would be really useful for people. I've got an SRD up there for a system... Uh, that I call the second guess system. Uh-huh. And it is for solo uh, role-playing game, like journaling games. And yeah. it's a single page. And the goal is for the finished games to be a single page. So the SRD is there. So all the, the broad strokes of how it works are up there. I've got several free examples on the Game Anomicon itch page. Um and the, the so the barrier for entry I think is as low as it could possibly be. You you've already got the skeleton. You only have to flesh out a page's worth of stuff to play test it. You only need yourself. You don't have to get together a group of you know three to five other friends. It's as low as you can get, and then you can throw it up on itch. You can hit publish, and you've got something. You did the yeah. thing. Yeah, that's you said the just do it thing is trite, but we keep on hearing that over and over again on the podcast. I think it's super important. I also really agree with utilizing an SRD for the first one. I am trying to get better at writing myself. Doing this has inspired me to try and work on some games. I've looked at quite a few different SRDs. Super useful, really, really easy to use for the most part because most of the really hard work is already done for you. So highly agreed with will's advice on this one will where can people find out more about you and game Anomicon and warmer in the winter where can people find your stuff and pick that up for themselves yeah so um we do have a website at gameonomicon.com uh for actual purpose purchases you will of course head over to one of the other big uh game stores rather than directly on the site uh, mm-hmm. either to drive through RPG or itch. We've got a page on both uh, with all my games up there. You can also, if you just want to follow along, probably my most active social media for Game Anomicon is on Twitter. Uh, there it is at the underscore Game Anomicon. Uh, but also there's a Facebook page and an Instagram page uh, and that type of thing. So um give it a follow and keep up to date i've got uh, a couple big new projects cooking but i don't want to delve into that just yet 
Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so, audience, as always, Will's stuff, that's going to be linked in the description down below. Go check out Warmer in the Winter. It's adorable. I've seen some incredible reviews for it. The game is just, I really like this game. This is something so different and so much fun, and I can't recommend it enough. Will, thank you so much for coming back on and doing this so short notice. Like I said, it's only been two days since we last spoke, but I'm grateful that we could re retry this and have what I think is actually a much better episode. I, I agree. I, I think that this flowed really well, and thank you for having me back on and wanting to give it another shot. <laughs> Absolutely. I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Audience, thank you so much for listening. Will and Warm in the Winter, they've already launched, so go pick it up. Take care of yourselves. Have a good night. See you on the next one. Bye. Once again, thank you so much to Will for joining me on the podcast this week. I had some really bad technical difficulties with the original recording of this, and it just sounded awful. It was really choppy and just bad. So Will, being the amazing person he is, offered to do it again right away. So thank you so much, Will. We couldn't have done this one without you for many reasons. Please go support Will and Game Anomicon. Pick up Warm in the Winter. I promise you this game is a fun change of pace. And who knows what kind of wonderfully hilarious and cheesy stories you and your friends will come up with. As always, thank you so much, listener. We are only a couple weeks away from the one-year anniversary of the show, and it's been incredible to have you all around. So thank you so much for showing your continued support. As of this episode, I think we're just shy of hitting 800 listeners. So I, I'm absolutely floored. I can't say it any other way. I know I haven't said in a while, but if you could please like and rate the show on Spotify and iTunes, that would help a lot. The review system helps get the show noticed, which in turn helps bring in more amazing creators and get those creators supported. So if you can go do that, I'd really appreciate it. If you like this episode and you want to hear more, check out the backlog and share what you like with a friend or maybe join the Discord. Word of mouth is the best way to continue growing the show, and it would absolutely mean the world to me if I could speak with you at some point, even about how your day's going. So let me know, drop into the Discord, talk to us. I'm still trying to find someone for next week's episode. Uh, a lot of people are waiting for February to come up because of Zine Month and Zine Quest. So they've been a little bit trickier to track down and get some advertisements for. I can't promise an episode next week, but until that happens, I just want you to know to take care of yourselves, have a good night, and I'll see you really soon. Bye.